Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey folks, before we get started, a really important announcement. In case you haven't heard, we are now called Home Run Applesauce. The podcasts of Amazing Avenue have a new home, a new branding, but most importantly, we have a new Patreon. Uh, Our Patreon costs just $5 a month, and that allows you to directly support the podcasters that you've been listening to and enjoying for years as well as getting some extra bonus content. We're going to have our first bonus episode out next week. We're going to do at least two a month once this is up and running. We have a uh, podcaster-curated playlist every month. I, Brian, did the first one. Uh, That segment's called Alexa Play Narco, which is a name we came up with before Edwin Diaz was hurt, so my apologies for that little um, triggering moment there, but I think you understand the spirit of the name. We're also going to have some live stream events, uh, lots and lots of fun stuff. So go to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce, and uh, we hope that you join us over there for our Patreon. Now to the show. Hey, Mets fans. Welcome to... Today, your love, tomorrow, the World Series, the first episode kind of of a podcast has been going on for like five years now, but uh, we are, this is a new name now that we are part of Home Run Applesauce and part of the Fans First Sports Network, so I'm your host, Brian, with me as always is Chris, and um, you know, I hope you enjoy the Ramones title, you know, Ramones are from Queens, the Mets are from Queens, it felt appropriate, um, so anyway, uh, welcome to Home Run Applesauce, Chris. Thanks, it's good to be here, it feels like I never left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we are recording this just six short days from opening day 2023. And there is uh, a lot to talk about in Metsland. We have not spoken, you and I, on the pod since uh, sort of a spate of injuries 
under uh, befell the Mets and and put them a little bit under some pressure to figure out the roster going into the start of the season. So obviously the most significant injury was that to Edwin Diaz, who at the end of a World Baseball Classic game was very gingerly celebrating and, um, you know, borked his knee for the season. There are folks who think he might be able to come back in September or maybe for the playoffs. But it's best, I think, if we treat that as a surprise and a lovely thing if it happens, but not be banking on it. And so just big picture, you know, we talked about this a little bit on our emergency applesauce podcast, but um, are you particularly worried about the Mets bullpen without um, our friend Sugar at the end of it? It's definitely a significant loss. So I, I think not being able to say, hey, look, they have – Possibly, I mean, last year he certainly was, and he could very well be, uh, as soon as he gets back on the field, the best reliever in baseball. Taking that out of that mix is going to be noticeable. But for once, the Mets actually invested in their bullpen a little bit over the course of the offseason. And they've done things like pay a closer before. But so often we had seen, uh, even in the first couple of offseasons under Steve Cohen, Clearly, there was money that was available to spend, and doing bigger things like trading for and extending Francisco Lindor was that was more important than middle relievers. But it was nice this winter that part of going all in on spending was actually bringing back Adam Ottavino, signing David Robertson, um, trading for Brooks Raley. They have three really good. Uh, relievers there who you can say kind of form the core of the bullpen and and a lot of intriguing arms. Um, But as somebody who often advocates for signing more relievers every off season, uh, it it still would be nice if there were a couple more sure things. Like I like Tommy Hunter a lot. He seems like he's going to make the bullpen Mm -hmm. uh, right now and he's easy to root for. But if they had signed somebody who was a little bit better for that spot, uh, I certainly wouldn't complain as a fan. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see. I, I guess, I think I read uh, something in putting together Mets morning news this morning that, that uh, they kind of see Robertson as the closer, so to speak, and they'll mix and match a bit. And um, It'll just be interesting to see whether or not there's that flexibility that they had with Diaz last year um, to move guys around and have them succeed in the role that suits them the best and the team the best and not just racking up saves. And, uh, you know, when you hear David Robinson speak, you – you would think that that's sort of the, the logic to why he set up at the Mets, how he approaches playing the game and pitching. Um, you would think that he could see the benefit for everybody involved to have that flexibility. But we know not all relief pitchers are that open-minded. So right, it's something that we're just going to have to learn as we go. Um, and hopefully not a part of the team that's going to drag down what uh, should be another high 90s or maybe another 100-plus win season. Yes. Yeah, my thoughts echo yours quite a bit. You know, I also don't know if 
there's anybody out there available now. I know we've heard Zach Britton through for eight or nine clubs last week. I don't believe anyone signed him, have they? Have you heard about a Zach Britton signing? No, as far as I know, he is still out there. And... So, yeah, you know, if, if he was for real in 2023, I, he wouldn't still be unsigned right now, probably. Um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that it's taken, you know, that, that the Mets have not gone after another relief pitcher. I don't know who out there would have made the bullpen that much better. Like you said, they did invest in the bullpen this year. And even with the guys beyond the few that you mentioned, you know, the Mets signed John Curtis last year when he was hurt with the eye to have him in the bullpen this year. And, um, you know, uh, you mentioned Tommy Hunter. They picked up Dennis Santana off of waivers just this month. Uh, and plus, guys like Drew Smith and Steven Nagosek did look considerably better last year. I, I feel pretty good about this bullpen without Diaz. I don't feel great about it because Diaz was just that good. But you hope that this is an injury that will not diminish his arm at all as you know it's a lower body injury it's not uh a huge change to his mechanics hopefully when he comes back and so you think that when he gets back he should be the Diaz of old or at least an approximation of the Diaz of old and there's no one out there that I think is necessarily as good as that to bring in and honestly in terms of the the available options unless you're trading for somebody and I don't know who you're going to trade at this point in the in this year um, I don't know if anybody's as good as Brooks Raley out there, or Adovino, or Adovino, or Robertson. Like I think those, I think the Mets have a really solid bullpen right now. I don't know how I feel about the Negosix and Santanas of the world. You know, Negosix is out of options. He's probably making the club. You know, Drew Smith still has options. You could send him down. Curtis still has options, and there's other guys out there. We'll talk more about the bullpen in a little while. Um, but yeah, in terms of the Diaz injury, I I think. You know, it's 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 a, obviously it's a bummer. It's a it you hate to see an elite player go down for any reason, especially um, a player that brings so much joy to the ballpark. But you know, we can we can all agree that this could have been considerably worse. It seems like. Um, so let's let's hope he comes back healthy and quickly, and um, that the bullpen can hold the, the back end of the game down. Um, in terms of the rotation. We did have an injury to Jose Quintana. He is expected to miss about half the season. And while that is, um, again, not the ideal um, situation here by any means, I think that the Mets, again, kind of addressed depth. You know, they didn't, they didn't have David Peterson or Tyler McGill penciled in for the rotation. And so the fact that they have two starters that I think – most fans would be okay with on a short-term basis. Plus, you have the returning Joey Lucchese, who did not look great in the spring, but who is on the road to health. And, you know, the, the Mets seem to have a couple of options here for for their back end of the rotation. Again, I wish it was Quintana, but I think all things considered, the Mets did the right thing this year and brought in enough pieces that this is not a huge issue for for them. Do you feel similarly about this? For the most part, yeah, I, I think everything that you just said is perfectly rational and logical. Um, just in the wake of that injury, uh, or uh, technically not even really an injury, more of a medical issue, but uh, an injury from a baseball perspective, right? So I just would have liked to see them go and 
try to bring in, I don't know, there were a few arms left and, you know, like the bullpen at this stage of the offseason, there's not really much out there. Uh, but at the time of the injury, Chris Archer, Michael Pineda were uh, a couple of pitchers who were still available. I think that's still the case now. And neither one is going to uh, suddenly turn back into the best pitcher that they've been in the past. But uh, that kind of guy who's still around that late in the offseason, um, I, I don't know. I just would have I would have liked to see, hey, get that arm in here on a minor league contract, get a couple of spring appearances, give them an opt-out if they're still in Syracuse by – you know, the, the middle of the era, end of April. Uh, but just a couple of other arms that maybe can give you reliable major league innings if Peterson or McGill uh, struggle or if any other pitcher misses any time. Right. Um, like, I feel like they the Mets have, uh, you, you named them all, uh, they have a lot of really good sixths starter options right, <laughs> right. and I, I wrote a little bit uh, about a laser hernandez uh, as well this week and and you know it's um that there's no shortage of guys that you can say hey maybe he could fill in as the fifth starter for uh for a stretch and and be okay it's just when you get to a scenario that maybe two of them are in the rotation at the same time or in this case we know that one of those arms has to be in the rotation for two, three, four months, depending on exactly what that recovery goes like for Quintana. Um, It's not enough to drag down the whole rotation because the rest of it is so good. But, um, well, the concern here, it's mildly concerning. Yeah. And the, the extra concern is just the overall age of the rotation. You know, I, I know that you are, the number one proponent in not being not judging players based on their age, which I always appreciate about you, but you have to admit, you know, th- this is not a young rotation, and so there may be need for things like a day off here and there, a skipped start, um, a precautionary DL stint at some point during the season, and so I don't think it's terribly uh, panicky to want to have additional help for if one of those eventualities comes true. Right. And and we know that even before anybody was injured, the Mets were planning, and as far as we know, still are planning on using a six-man rotation strategically at points of the schedule that are particularly busy, uh, lots of games with no off days. And, uh, yeah, they it could all still go very, very well. Uh, and and I think I think it will, but <laughs> uh, just just yesterday, Carlos Carrasco was supposed to pitch in a minor league spring training game and didn't, uh, and it was described as el- elbow maintenance routine, nothing to be alarmed about. I'm paraphrasing here, but um, he's supposed to make a minor league spring training start on Tuesday which is two days before the season starts, right? So I hope everything's fine with, with him and he makes his first scheduled start. Uh, Kodai Senga, I think, has had a little bit of that discomfort in his uh, finger. It was probably just some normal adjustment to 
a different baseball than he's used for his entire professional career. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the quality of these pitchers is pretty undeniable, but I, I think just a tiny bit more depth yep. would be nice. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so let's try to figure out what this bullpen is going to look like for opening day in just a week. Uh, we have a uh, a number of locks that we spoke about before. You know, um, I would say that Robertson, uh, Adovino, Rayleigh, Nagosik, Drew Smith. Would you put John Curtis in the uh, lock list? At this point, I think so. The combination of what they envisioned when they saw him, uh, when they signed him, sorry, a year ago. Uh, and the fact that he's pitched well in spring training, I'd, I'd say he's pretty close to a lock. He does have options remaining. So yeah, could choose not to, but I, I I'd take him right now if I were them. Yeah. So that leaves uh, two spots open again. Some of the contenders here, Tommy Hunter, Dennis Santana, um, Let's see who else would we would we put in that category? Um, it sort of helps some of these guys that uh, Montez de Oca <laughs> yeah. and Sam Coonrod both uh, got injured during yeah. spring training. Uh, Jimmy Yacobonis had an ugly outing on Wednesday, but Yacobonis is is still theoretically available, um, and I guess you know theoretically Tyler McGill. Or Peterson, whoever doesn't make the rotation, could be a part of the bullpen. But I'm thinking that just based on the age of the rotation, and again, we've talked about the minor concerns with Senga and Carrasco, I think they're Peterson, McGill, and Lucchese are all going to remain stretched out. Do you tend to agree with that? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and on the bullpen side, uh, Jeff Brigham was one other arm that yes. was pretty interesting coming into spring training. And uh, just... I know teams can see a lot more than than we can see when it comes to evaluating players, but just looking at what they've done as major leaguers, um, I'd really I get why they picked up Dennis Santana on waivers because that's the kind of thing you do when you can do it for free. Exactly. Um, I know he is out of options, and I know he has more major league innings under his belt than uh, than Brigham. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely does. Um, but the results are just worse. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the strikeout rate, the walk rate, and the ERA all don't look good. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be fine to just DFA him, and, and whether it's Brigham or one of the other arms that you know that you just mentioned, um, carry that guy because with an eight-man bullpen and and yeah, I don't know the, the schedule looking the way that it does to start the year, where there's a little bit more time with days off. I don't necessarily think they need like a long reliever. Right. Uh, I do think that's a role that could be useful over the course of a, uh, any major league regular season. But 
I don't think they necessarily have to force somebody into that role early right. in the year. Yeah, and again, I think that uh, Eliezer Hernandez is probably in that all in that, and and Jose Buto for that matter are probably all in that remains stretched out just in case section. I'm just trying to think of any other arms where we haven't talked about. But um, all those folks to me seem like I, I think we've essentially named the options. So who would be your who would be your bullpen then? What would be your uh, what would be your your last couple of spots there? So uh, Curtis is really in the middle. Uh, I think I'd go Curtis Brigham, Nagosik, and then it comes down to Hunter or one of the other guys. I, so even though I've already said in this episode that <laughs> I'd be fine if they did have somebody who was clearly better than Hunter. Uh, I, I, sure. We'll go with him as my uh, eighth reliever in this bullpen. And, and look, there, obviously he hasn't stayed fully healthy himself over the last couple of years, but uh, he's pitched pretty well in, in limited time. You could do a lot worse in terms of quality, uh, of a relief arm in the seventh or eighth spot of your pen. So, yeah. 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 I, I think some of the other guys are more interesting. And, and if Hunter has any more back issues or any other injury issue, then uh, we'll, we'll get a look at them. Uh, but yeah, he, he makes my cut for now. Yeah. I, I think I have the same two guys as you with Brigham and uh, Hunter, you know, filling out those last two spots. Though I will say the fact that Brigham has two options remaining does lead me to believe maybe you start him in the minor leagues and you just see what happens. You know, if you picked up, you know, a, a player off waivers, it always seems silly to me to not give him a chance. But I also don't think Dennis Santana is going to light the world on fire, right? So I could be talked either way with that, but I I, I don't want to lose Nagosik. I think Drew Smith has earned a spot in the bullpen. Curtis is a guy with this one option. Maybe you do start Curtis in the minors and just see how he's doing. Um, if you think Hunter will accept an assignment to the minor leagues, maybe you can do that too. But I I feel comfortable with the eight-man bullpen being Robertson, Ottavino, Rayleigh, Smith, Curtis, Hunter, Nagosik, and Brigham, I think. I think that's where I want to go with it. Um well, turning our attention from the bullpen to the bench, uh, this is another place where there are a lot of decisions to be made. So Brandon Nimmo has been dealing with a, a, an injury to his right ankle and knee. It appears minor. Uh, Buckshaw Walter said, I think it was yesterday, that they want him to get into a, a Grapefruit League game today or tomorrow uh, or Sunday possibly, but to have him play this weekend. And so that leads me to believe that he will be ready for opening day. But if he's not... He'll be ready a couple of days after opening day. So let's just presume that that he is going to be there. So that puts the Mets starting, uh, uh, you know, lineup at probably Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Daniel Vogelback, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, and Omar Narvaez. Um, with a bench of Tomas Nito, Darren Ruff, Louis Guillorme, and Tommy Pham, according to Fangraph's roster resource. Um that said, there are lots of people who deserve a spot and who might make sense for the team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, for instance, if Brett Beatty is the opening day third baseman with Escobar being a super sub and the right-handed platoon partner for Vogelbach at DH. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Ruff is let go because of his atrocious end of 2022 and his similarly atrocious spring training. Um, you know, they're going to keep Nito. Obviously, they need a backup catcher, especially with Alvarez sent down. They're going to keep Luis Guillorme because Guillorme is awesome and he provides a real value to the middle infield. Uh, they're going to keep Tommy Pham, even though I don't I don't love Tommy Pham. I think he's probably undoubtedly the best player they have for that role. So we're really looking at one bench spot if you're not carrying Brett Beatty. If you're carrying Brett Beatty, then he becomes that last spot and you and your bench is Escobar, Nito, Guillaume Pham. Um I I happen to like Tim LaCastro for this team. I know that's not the sexiest pick in the world, um, but the guy has a lot of speed, and the Mets have very, very poor team speed over the last, gosh, 40 years I've watched the Mets, (laughs) since since the 80s probably. And so, you know, I I do like having a guy who can pinch run, especially, I wrote about this a couple of times this offseason, but like late in the game, if Vogelback gets on first or second base, you really want to pull him for somebody who can score on a single or a double. And, uh, you know, yeah. So, so, so I, 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 would, I would like to have both Beatty and LoCastro on the team, but I don't know if I would sacrifice an eight-man bullpen to become a seven-man bullpen to get LoCastro on the team. Um, how do you feel about the bench? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with probably every other Mets fan and you. The, and, uh, being ready to part ways with Darren Ruff, I, I will acknowledge that I think. He didn't just turn into a pumpkin at the time of the trade. I do think he'll probably put out some good major league at bats. Yes. Uh, and I, I don't even think he's somebody who needs a change of scenery. He's barely been here, right? So <laughs> it, it's not that. It's just there's only so many roster spots. Um, I am less passionate about where Beatty should start the year. I... Um, I'm not in favor of service time manipulation or anything like that. Uh, but I'm also not an Ed- Eduardo Escobar hater. And not that other people are, but... Well, some people uh, are. Yeah, yeah, some are. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think they can get by if, if they really think that some time in Syracuse will benefit Beatty. And I know even if that's the genuine reason that people probably won't believe them, but it, if that is the case... I'm not going to be too upset about it. Um, Similarly to the fact that they optioned Francisco Alvarez to Syracuse already. It's, it's not the most illogical thing for them to do to start the year. Um, But in the outfield, I I, I get it with the Castro too. Um, I don't know why DJ Stewart just, I mean, I do know why. <laughs> it's the, hit the cover off the ball this spring. Is that well? Why? Yeah, that 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 combined with um, just better performance as a major league hitter, and and sort of, I mean, they were both guys who a big deal was not made out of uh, the Mets adding them to the organization. But there's something to be said for a league average bench bat who has some power um, and. Giorme gives them that league average bat without any power uh, in games or, you know, the 
once or twice a year, there's there's a home run that's always a whole lot of fun when it happens. Um, especially that one he hit against the Nationals when we were all at City Field in 2019. Yes. And uh, pre-pandemic, you know, high point of Mets baseball. <laughs> yes. um, at I, least. I, I do want to say that uh, DJ Stewart does have an option remaining. Yes. So that, that does color this conversation a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that, I think taking full advantage of that is is wise um just for whatever reason i mean he's a left-handed hitter i i I don't know he might not be the best fit i might be talking myself out of my own answer here but (laughs) 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 or maybe you did uh but for whatever reason uh if they were to cut rough there's something appealing about him to me um but we'll see i i I think these things will all sort themselves out. Um, I think the distinction between who they would carry would be, uh, in terms of outfielders, would be much more significant if Nimmo seemed like he were going to miss time. And Correct. to be fair, when the injury happened, obviously it was what the day after Diaz or two days after, but uh, everybody feared the worst. And then even when they said he had two different sprained parts of his leg, and he was like, "Oh no, I'll be back." It, I, I was like, hmm, "Will you though?" Like, <laughs> right? That seems really fast. And um, without going too far down the road on on Nimo stuff, just fully support the signing and keeping him around long term. Uh, he's an excellent player, but I do think that it's worth remembering for him, the team, uh, and and for fans that he's only played in a hundred games or more in a single season twice. Right. Um, excellent point. And I think last year, if anything, um, I know a big takeaway was you got to win the division so you don't get stuck in the wild card round and get bounced like they did. But I think really being rested, really being healthy in September when those games to decide the division are, are happening, um, and in October, obviously, when the most important games of the year should be taking place for the Mets, is such a priority. So, if Nemo's back on the field, I'm not, I'm not going to be critical of it or anything. Uh, it, it'll be nice to get to watch him play from opening day, but if he needs a little more time, and then that outfielder decision has to be a little more serious with uh, defensive versatility in mind then uh, you know that might be okay. He might still play in 150 games, just right, m- right. maybe 20 of them in our October or in October and not in April. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, but we as fans, we don't want the Mets to end up in that three-game series again, but Major League Baseball has watered down what it takes to make the playoffs at a time that the Mets are coming off one of their winningest seasons in franchise history. So there's there's some room for rest, I guess, is the argument I'm making here. Mm-hmm. No, I I definitely agree with with all of that. Um, I I think oftentimes we can be hung up on opening day as this target, and well, I understand why. You know, teams survive just fine with a player is is sitting out the first ten games or whatever the season that does not tank them. By any means, and the Mets, we've established the Mets are a relatively deep team this year. They have they have options for these 
different places. You know, is Tim LaCastro the best option to play center field every day for 162 games for the Mets? No, but if Nimmo's going to be out for 15 or 20 games and you don't feel comfortable with Canna or Marte in center for that long, I think you can do worse than Tim LaCastro. And I think that he has a role, like I said, as a pinch runner, as a, as a defensive substitution on the team beyond that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also echo your Darren Ruff thoughts. I don't think Darren Ruff just fell into a hole that he can't climb out of. I think he's just going through some bad luck and some injury stuff. My question with that is, like, look at what Ruff's ultimate contributions will be to this season. And do you really think that you can't get that from other players on the roster? If the answer is yes, if you think that he has enough power or, you know, enough of a hit tool, whatever it is that you think that he is the best option to get you where you need to go, then I understand keeping rough. But based on everything I've seen, if it's rough or it's Beatty for a roster spot, that's not even a conversation I, I'm I'm going to entertain because I think Beatty is probably close to the hitter Ruff is already and is certainly a better defensive player than Ruff is. Um, again, you can start Beatty in the minors for very legitimate reasons and see how Ruff does the first month of the season. I think that's an absolutely fair way to play it if that's the way you want to play it. Um, with sending Alvarez down... I think that is absolutely a desire to see him be more consistent on both sides of the plate, and that makes sense to me. Um, with Beatty, I think it's it's more just maybe a little bit of season. I don't think you need quite the amount of time that Alvarez might need in the minors to to convince Team Brass he's ready to go. Uh, I, I guess this is sort of a good place for this question that we didn't plan on talking about, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, do you think both of those guys are in the majors by June 1st? By June 1st? Hmm. Maybe. I know that's not a super strong answer, but <laughs> but with Alvarez, I think it really comes down to whether Nito or Narvaez get hurt uh, in the early part of the season. I, I do think it's possible, despite Buckshaw Walter's comments sort of downplaying the notion that Alvarez could just start the season on fire in Syracuse, uh, continue to show. And I think in spring training, he showed that he's not a defensive liability behind the plate. Right. Um, and I think, I, I don't know who's to blame for it, but that had sort of become his reputation, uh, I think somewhat unfairly, but just getting more professional reps with uh, some of those starting pitchers that we talked about that have experienced pitching in Queens and are expected to pitch there. Um, you know, getting reps with those major league pitchers who were pitching in Syracuse and uh, starting the season hot, he could force the issue. But I think the most realistic scenario there is that he, um, that he just plays well, but not so well uh, immediately that it seems like the Mets are um, being negligent by leaving him there. Uh, so I, I, that's why I land on maybe just because I think it's so health dependent on the other two catchers. And um, also, just, you I, know, I think Beatty will be. Okay. Think. Yeah. But Alvarez, I'm not so sure if he's up for good by June or, or up at all, you know? Yeah. For Alvarez, there's also the added wrinkle here 
of the fact that he did not hit a lick in spring training. Right. Not, I mean, not, he had not, the ankle surgery, right. and that's fine. Maybe he just needs a little time to exactly build back up. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I, Daniel Vogelback hasn't hit a lick in spring either, and I'm not worried about him. But he has much more of a track record of success to go off of in the majors than Alvarez does. So I understand the Mets being more cautious with Alvarez and starting him in the minors. Um, you also want him to come up and succeed. One of the things they were very bad at last year where he came up in the biggest game of the season and struck out a bunch of times. Um, so I understand why you want to position him in the best way you can. Um I think that's just about all the opening day stuff we got to talk about. Do you have any other sort of thoughts you want to get out of the way before we get to our music recommendations? Just one quick, uh, the World Baseball Classic was such an incredible thing yes. to get to watch. Amazing. Uh, even just from home and very jealous of the people who got to experience those games in person, so many of which were uh, just so packed and lively uh, and really great. And I am not... Uh, my enthusiasm for the tournament has not changed because of the Diaz injury. Uh, and I think seeing Reese Hoskins also suffer a knee injury, perhaps a worse uh, ligament injury in his knee on fielding a ground ball uh, in a spring training game is, is a reminder that um, whether or not it was inevitable with Diaz's knee, it certainly is something that could have happened in a non WBC circumstance. Yes, and and landed it, you know, him in the in the same situation. But uh, really enjoyed that tournament, and um, to end it with Otani versus Trout and an overpowering strikeout uh, that was just uh, sort of surreal. Uh, Absolutely, but, but yeah, I, I have to shout out uh, friend of Homer and Applesauce, friend of Fan First Sports Network, uh, Anthony Armando, one of my very good friends in real life, uh, launching a show later this year called No Bad Hops, a beer and baseball podcast. Um, he flew down to Florida for the last three games. He was at both semifinals and the final. And awesome. uh, goddamn him for it. Because <laughs> that's, that's, it looked pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah. Um, the WBC was incredible. Anyone, I mean, imagine how much better it would have been if anyone other than John Smoltz was calling the games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, it's a shame that, honestly, like the broadcast duo that was on, uh, I forget if it was pool A or B. Um, but it was really good. You know, the games yeah. that were happening either late at night or early in the morning here from, uh, the two Asian locations. And, um, I enjoyed those broadcasts a lot. You had, uh, I don't even remember the names uh, of the broadcasters, but the booth I'm thinking of had an American and an Australian. Yes. Um, yes. and just, you had, so you had a little bit of international, uh, touch on it, which was, I think was good because uh that's kind of the whole point of the tournament and to hear a, a slightly different perspective and accent uh was good and then also the enthusiasm was there but um fox sports consistently finds ways and even as a recent convert to you know watching soccer the the broadcast booths that they had for most world cup games and certainly their their a team um their B team had Derek Ray, whose voice is in the FIFA video games of recent years and does a ton of work for ESPN. And like he was he was great uh, because he always is. But for the big games and the championship and all Team USA games, they found like just the lamest duo. And they I don't understand how they like they hire people who are good 
and then give them the lesser games and then give us just crap when it comes to the, uh, the you know, the biggest game uh, of the tournament in both cases. So yeah, it, it just seems like uh, uh, Smoltz has taken over the Joe Morgan role of like a guy who was a, an undoubtedly great baseball player who has decided he doesn't like baseball <laughs> and doesn't like what baseball has become. And by putting him on these huge broadcasts, all you're doing is souring the experience of people who actually like baseball. And uh, it sucks. It's a bad right. thing. Yeah, no, I know Keith Hernandez has uh, occasionally made an appearance or, or you know, a complaint during a Mets game about certain things about the modern game. But um, and, and we'll, we can do a whole other brand or, or genre of podcast sorry and uh some of the places keith has decided to make his appearances <laughs> yes. but but um he when he's watching a game and something good happens you can tell he actually likes it like he is yes passionate about good uh good fundies right hence yeah. the uh you know one of our friends podcasts so yep. <laughs> anyway um I'll, I'll I'll let it get to the music part, I guess, if that's, <laughs> if that's okay with you. Absolutely. But, yes, uh, World Baseball Classic, uh, I wish I had four hands, so I'd give it four thumbs up. All right. Uh, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? So, as you may have noticed, Home Run Applesauce comes in a jar, and and, and it's uh, illustrated in our nice new logo uh, that, that we're all very proud of. And you may have noticed that the previous incarnation of the show was a Wilco reference, and there were Wilco recommendations along the way in the music segment of the show before, but I felt like uh, the timing of launching this new endeavor on the podcast side for us, the logo, uh, and the fact that Wilco is playing the Capitol Theater next week, I had to uh, dip back into that uh, pool of excellent music, and I am recommending Summer Teeth. Uh, primarily because one of the well-known songs on it is She's a Jar, and I can't resist a good pun. But (laughs) you you look back at this record, and and admittedly, I did not get into Wilco. Um, I went and saw them for the first time and got hooked either just before or just after Sky Blue Sky was released. And as is the case with pretty much any music uh, that I start to get into. Of course, I went back and listened to the, the previous stuff. Um, and it's just wild. That, <laughs> like, I get why Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is considered the, you know, sort of their crowning achievement and their most uh, critically acclaimed record and everything. And it, it's great. And it was, you know, uh, a really cool thing that they did last spring when they played it in full. Um for five nights in New York city. But you look at the tracks on this, like not only is it, she's a jar, but to have a shot in the arm, I'm always in love via Chicago and can't stand it on that record as well. And, and there's a lot of other good songs in there, but all of those are songs that can be the highlight of a Wilco show. Yes. And they're all on the same record. That's just, that's incredible to me. I, I think, I don't know what the equivalent is for some other bands, but um, it, it, I see them so much as a, as a live band, having seen them you know, more than any other band personally. And uh, I've listened to a lot of their live recordings. 
um, particularly because I'm such a fan of how Nels Klein plays guitar, and you know he wasn't on the first half of Wilco's discography mm-hmm. uh, just because he wasn't in the band yet. But um, but yeah, no, the, it's it's just a it, you know top to bottom really great record, um, and it's got some other gems on there too that are lesser known Wilco songs at this point, but. Uh, yeah, came out in what, 1999, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, definitely, so yeah. I, I love the the title track quite a bit, actually. I've, I've, that's one of the vocal songs I've never heard live, and mm. I've always wanted to hear it live. I love that song. Um, one of these days, I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Summer Teeth. Yeah. Uh, so, so going from a jar to an apple, I'm going to go with uh, a Minneapolis-based jazz band called Happy Apple. Uh they are one of the projects of Dave King, drummer for the Bad Plus. Um, it is a trio that is uh, something that is is still kind of novel outside of the jazz world, which is they're a band with no chordal instrument. So there is no piano, no guitar, no organ. It is an electric bass, drums, and saxophone. And so um, because of that, the, the, the songs, I think if you're somebody who doesn't like jazz, you're gonna be pretty instantly challenged by this music because it's it's pretty free. Because there aren't, there isn't like a, a chord at the center of the music. It winds up getting very. Um, I don't want to use the word loose because that implies something different. But key is kind of something that's played with a little bit more freely because you don't have. A, a, a piano playing a C chord, so you have to work within that range. You have a bass playing maybe a C note, and the saxophone might be playing something totally different, and it doesn't really... There, There is more freedom to improvise around these sort of very basic shapes of key and structure, but every song has a melody. It's not like it's just noise. Um, and Dave King is such an inventive drummer that he is able to add a lot of interesting texture and color to the songs uh, just by what he's doing. Um, there is one track in particular that I think is a great example of what Happy Apple does. It's called Polly's Quick Temper Has Gotten Him Into a Few Jams. And it begins with all three instruments playing not quite in unison, but really locked into a groove. And then as it goes on, it just... I believe it's first the bass that kind of just slips a little bit out of that groove and the saxophone kind of joins it off in this other corner and then that separates a little bit and it just it, it's just this this restraint you're you're listening to a band trying not to fall apart but not because they're bad players because falling apart's kind of the idea but they want to stretch that out and make that tension part of the experience it, it's again. This is not for everybody. This is maybe my least accessible pick in the history of doing music picks on Amazing Avenue. But um, I really enjoy it. It is not for everyday listening. It is not. If you put this on at a dinner party, unless you have like the hippest guests in the world or a bunch of jazz musicians at your house, I can't imagine this really being the uh, the crowd pleaser that I think Summer Teeth might be. But really fantastic playing. Uh, bass player's name is Eric Fratsky. I love his bass playing. Uh, and so, you know, just uh, if you're looking for something different and a little bit energetic and loose, I would suggest this record. So, Happy Apple, The Peace Between Our Companies from 2005. Can I bring back one suggestion from the past? Absolutely, yes. Uh, play this record during opposing batting practice in like a playoff games. <laughs> I have not listened to it yet. 
<laughs> but free jazz, experimental music, anything like just just play to- like you can get totally weird with it. Play the Jim O'Rourke stuff from like his experimental yeah. stuff that's only on SoundCloud or, or Bandcamp or whatever. But yeah. Uh, it would fall into that genre, but I am very interested to uh, to listen to this record at your recommendation, uh, not just to mess with other people's minds, but <laughs> <laughs> but do it, Matt. Start doing it. Let's see. Let's yeah. see if we can get in the heads of uh, opposing teams with Absolutely. music. And now that you've experienced Dave King live, yes, uh, you know I think that also helps your appreciation of him as a drummer. Oh, absolutely. Without having heard the record, I have no doubt that what I will hear <laughs> is going to be awesome. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we should have started with the show with this. God, I'm such a terrible fucking businessman. We have a Patreon, people. <laughs> Go to the Patreon. Uh, maybe I'll, you know, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna record a little insert for the show because we need to get this out before the end of the episode. Um, yeah, we have Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Home Run Applesauce. You can support us uh, for five dollars a month. You get some bonus podcasts. You get money going directly to the people who make the podcast that you've been enjoying so much. So thank you. Uh, I mentioned before we are now part of Fans First Sports Network, so uh, go to fansfirstsports.com for more information about that. Uh, we're on Twitter at Home Run Applesauce and at Brian Isenap and at Chris McShane. We're going to have more coming up soon with the Patreon. Uh, I think we're going to try and do a, se- a season preview next week, Patreon exclusive, so check that out. And until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.